Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Hello, I am, I am Melissa Blackwood, and I get to interview our pastors this morning, Pastor Mike and Monica, and this is very exciting for me. I get to ask them questions about a specific topic, but I get to ask them questions, which is exciting. And so we are doing Bible Bumps. I don't know if you've been here for our whole series. This is the end of our series of Bible Bumps. Ultimately, we are talking about the parts of the Bible that we sometimes bump over because we don't fully understand what it's talking about. Okay, if you've had that experience, you are not alone. And so today we get to talk about the law and grace. Okay, yes, yeah, so this, is, this can be a big misunderstanding, I would say, within, you know, the Christian world of the balance between both, but we need both, okay? Law and grace, you can't have them without each other. They're like lobsters, okay? Lobsters. Yeah, because in Friends, you know, lobsters mate for life. They're together forever? Okay. Well, there you go. So. Okay, I just need to clarify. I had all four of my wisdom teeth pulled on Friday. Yeah. So if, of all the subjects of like, if I look frowny face, just imagine I'm actually smiling. And if I'm going like this, it's because I'm trying not to laugh because it kind of, it kind of hurts yet. Yeah. But I need one of those, I need one of those face filters that makes you look smiling even if you're not. You know, oh, they Botox. have a frowny one, but. Well, <sighs> <laughs> this is oh, the wrong no. person to have up here today. Oh, no, and now, now it's a challenge in my heart to make you smile as much as possible, so I won't. Okay, great. I'm so excited. Um, Law and Grace, are you ready? We're ready. I hope so. Okay, so first of all, my first question to you both. What do you naturally lean towards? Law, like the rule, you're a rule follower, or grace? Maybe we should tell which, what we think what, each other are. What is? Oh, that's fine. Well, maybe we should define, what do we mean when we say the law? This is very true. Like this rules. Like, a, like just, just for this question. Okay, we'll get to like definition, definition. He wants, he wants to change the direction. Sorry, I just want to, you know, because some people might be hearing, what do you mean by the law? Okay, are you a rule follower or are you a grace person? Are you like, which one do you lean more towards? You think he's law? Huh, that's hard. He, you're what, a... What do you think she is? Oh. Actually, I think you're both, to me, 50-50. Oh, really? You're welcome. Uh, what do our kids say? What, are, what do our children say in the back production booth? This is true. <laughs> You're lobsters. You're lobsters. We're lobsters. We made for life. That is great. No, we are. Okay. I've had to okay. learn grace, but it is my natural bent. The rules. Mm -hmm. I like rules. Yeah. They make clar They bring clarity. I would agree. But then I like grace mm -hmm. because we can't always keep the rules. Yeah. How like, beautiful. It's like only chips on Friday, but somehow chips end up on Saturday too. You know? That's grace. <laughs> I love that it always comes back to grace. food and always working comes out. Back to food. <laughs> food or working out. That is what we go to. Oh, dear God. Okay, now 
what can we clarify now? We can clarify. What do we mean by the law? Okay, so first, just to note, so I think we should just kind of level the playing field here. Because there might be, you know, people maybe watching online or maybe even in the room, you're thinking, you know what, I'm not really one of these, you know, I don't believe in God, not one of these Bible following, follow the teachings of the Bible kind of people. The thing is, we all have some kind of law we live by. Isn't it true? It's like, it might, be, it might be motivational sayings. It might be, here are the 10 rules for success. It might be, you know, something. But we all have some kind of law that we live by to help us get what we want or what we think we want. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Right. I think it's true. So we all have a law. We, it's kind of like our, 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 our savior, something that we look to to save us, right. save us from pain or shame or heartbreak. So even though we're talking about the law being God's law in scripture, right. we all follow a law to some degree, I think. What do you think? Agreed. I would agree. Okay. Okay. Got anything more to say about that? What is God's law? How well, would you describe it? From a theological point of view, God's law is there was when Moses came down, uh, came down after meeting with God on the mountain, he brought the Ten Commandments, but he also brought more than that. There was, he brought what's called the Levitical law down with him. And this is 613 commandments that were given to the people of Israel. It's, a, it's pretty onerous. There's a lot of rules, but there, there was reasons for it. And it basically, it was, it, it came down into uh, different categories. It came down into how people related to one another. It came down into how people related to God. And it came down into... Um, society laws. Uh, societal laws. But it, then it, and then it, there's, a, there's a large portion of the Le Levitical law that came down to um, personal living and disease and sexuality. Yes. A lots, lots in there. Lots oh. in there. Yeah. Merely 613? 613. Yes, not just the big 10. Yeah, easy peasy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> easy. Okay, why do you think, because Moses, he was, he's not yeah. the first man, no. so why did God wait till Moses? Like, why didn't he, like, be like, Adam, this is the law. Why did he wait, like, thousands of years? Well, he kind of did with Adam. Like, he gave one rule. Like, don't eat from this tree. He didn't give him 613, but maybe that's why there were 613 later. He couldn't even follow one. He couldn't even follow one. So we need to it got complicated. It, out. it got complicated. Actually, that I think, you know, I think God did wait a couple thousand years to give, like, what we know is, like, scriptural law. Because I think he wanted relationship. He wanted to establish relationship before rules. And I think there's something that, you know, there's a lot of stories in the Old Testament that show how the law was written on people's hearts even before it was a rule. Like, for example, the story of Joseph. Maybe you're familiar with Joseph, who was, you know, the guy with the coat of many colors. You know, when he, this was like, this was a couple thousand years before the law was officially given. And it was something that when he was in Pharaoh's court, he was, he was working for a man named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife got the hots for him, and she tried to get Joseph to sleep with him, at basically to commit adultery, and there hadn't been any law saying, thou shalt not commit adultery, but it says that Joseph, he said, he knew in his heart, this is wrong before God. And so there was, there was this thing that God did put the law in, in human hearts, but, and that was like way before the law was written out and spelled out. But I think mostly he did it because he wanted to have relationship. 
And you have to think of perspective, too, or the context in which um, that the law was given and when in history it took place. Israel had been captive for 400 years. They had been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And now it's not just Jacob and his family learn, you know, rules to get along, like don't hog the TV. It's, yeah. it's, this is now millions of people in the wilderness that have been enslaved and never ruled themselves. Right. So they didn't know how, like they, they have come out free, but they don't know how to be a country. They don't know how to be a nation and they are a nation. And so the timing was very distinct. And one of the, one of the, uh, one of the reasons that the law that that the law was given was to help humanity be human, like how to relate to one another in a way that that is healthy. Well, and I think too, like four hundred years of being slaves, they had actually forgotten how to relate to God. Yeah. Like I think you know, I'd get kind of disillusioned after 400 years thinking I was God's special people and we've been in slavery for four centuries. Like, I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of room in there for like God, God's real. Like really? Like, you know, what's his God stuff? So I think there was, cause a lot of the rule, a lot of the law was about how they were supposed to relate to God. So I think they kind of forgot wow. and the rules, the law was there to help them remember this is how you're supposed to relate to God. That's beautiful. I love that God, God wanted a relationship with us. That is a good reminder. He wants relationship with us first. That's really good. Um, okay, I think that a lot of people, potentially, I'm speaking for us all, um, but why we would ask the question, why the law? Like, if the purpose of the law is not to make us good people, then what is the point of the law? Ah. Right? Because, I mean, we're there's this law given so that People are good, right? So that they're set apart. But if it's not, if that's not the purpose of it, or if it is, right. you know, what, what is the point? Why? Well, I think when it comes to the law, not making us good people, but it, I think what it does is it points us towards how to be good people in, when, in the context of our relationships in our in the context of a of a nation, a lot of the laws like they were. It I think it kind of fundamentally comes to how we view God. True. Like if we if we view God as is he's just you know he is he the is he the rule maker that it's like the parent that you say don't do that and the, and your child asks but why, and then there's the default answer for the parent that just says because I said so. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, do we view God as just because I said so, God? Well, some of those rules are like that, though, wouldn't you say? I well, there's a few. Let me finish okay. my comment. Or do we view, <laughs> or do we view God as his his intent is that we flourish and we thrive? Yeah. Right. And the purpose of the rules, it's like, it's like building a fence by a freeway. Yeah. Do you see that fence as something that's designed to restrict people? Right. And confine them so they can't enjoy the pleasure of the freeway? Right. Or do you view that the fence is there to protect the people beside right. the freeway from the danger of the freeway? Yes. And you know what's interesting about that? There's actually a psychological study done with kids on a playground that when they had no fence around the playground, all of the kids huddled together as close together as they could to the school. But the minute they put the fence up, the kids spread out and were enjoying the whole playground. And I think that's something even for us, too. I think we greatly underestimate how bad 
things really are how, because of sin and how broken it was. And I think there's an aspect of God's law that, that was there not to restrict us, but to give us safety and freedom so that, you know, it would kind of point the way. It's like, right. this isn't just to restrict you. It's like, if you go this way, you're going to get run over by a car. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get run over by this experience in life. You're going to get run over by the consequences. And I think there's this thing where it's God didn't want us to have to experience the consequences of sin. And so it's like he set up the law. He set up these, the rules of how life is supposed to work that to, to keep us safe. But I think even, even beyond that, I think there's an aspect too, where I think we have like a funky idea about the law. Like we look at it from a very moralistic perspective. This is just a bunch of morals to be good people do this and you'll be good. And, and while it's true, I think more than that, our law, the, the law was given also to point us down the path of our vocation. See, the law shows us how humans are supposed to be, the way we're actually supposed to be as humans. We're, we don't know what that looks like. And so there's this idea that, you know, if I just do all these things, I'll be a good moral person, but that's actually not the purpose. Like God gave us all a vocation called reflecting him, reflecting his love and his wisdom into the world, except we couldn't do that because of sin. We didn't know how to do that. And so God set his law up to show that, well, this is the way, this is how you live. And see, even something like stealing, thou shall not steal. It's not that stealing, it's not, I shouldn't say, it's not just that stealing is bad. Morals are good, morals matter. But why is stealing bad? Well, it's because stealing doesn't reflect God's character that is a giver. Every single law in some way reflects God's nature, who we're supposed to reflect. And that's why things, thou shalt not murder. Well, why is that? Well, it's because God's nature is life giver. And if our vocation is to reflect his nature in everything we do, if that's what we're created to be as humans, but we can't do that because of sin, and so we mess it up, but God still gave the law to say, this is the way you're supposed to go. Like, this is what's going to show that you're actually reflecting my nature, my purpose, my goodness into the world around me. It's less about good and bad, that's important, but it's more about how does this reflect God's nature? This is who I am. I'm supposed to reflect God's wisdom and goodness into the world. An interesting thought on that. You know, our, our call is to reflect his nature, but it's the temptation is always to rival his nature. Yes, that's so good. And it's yeah. like the first temptation in the garden is, it was to Eve, is yeah. like, eat this fruit and yeah. you will be like God. Not that you will, not that right. you will yeah. Re- yeah. reflect him well, it's you will be. So it, it was taking that basic wow. created purpose to reflect him and, and perverting it to rival him, where we question him and we doubt him. Yeah. You know, that's rivaling, that's, that's rivaling him. Yeah. And I think, you know, God's law was meant to be a gift, and he'd given it to his people so that it, it's like, this is how life works. If you follow this, you're going to flourish. You're going to thrive. You're going to, this is, when you follow this law, this is how relationships work. This is how family works. This is how business works. This is how politics is supposed to work. This is how the government's supposed to, I, I should say politics because that wasn't part. This is how the government's supposed to work. This is how leadership, this is how health 
is supposed to work. Like, and so it was a picture of this is how life works, right. except we couldn't do that because we were trying to be God's rival. Wow. Oh, that's really good. We need rules. We, <laughs> we need do them. need rules. Okay. Yeah. But if following the rules don't earn us a relationship with God, what, right. what do we do? How? Okay. How do we have a relationship with God? If we, well, you can think of it this way. I like this illustration somebody gave. They said, I'm not a dog person, but they said, when you train your dog to stay inside your yard, do you train the dog before he's yours or after he's yours? After. After. You buy the dog. He becomes yours. And then you train him how he's supposed to act. And it's kind of the same, that's a bad, we're not dogs, but it's kind of a bad illustration. But the only thing, like your dog, it doesn't earn its way into relationship with you. Like it's yours because you chose the dog, you paid a price for the dog, the dog's yours. And now because it's yours, you're teaching it how to live within this boundary so it can flourish and it, 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 you, it, it follows the rules of the yard because it's yours. It doesn't. It doesn't make it yours just because it's in your yard. Rules yeah. don't create relationships. No, they never do. Rule, like, we don't have family or friendships because we follow rules. Right. But rules do preserve relationships. Right. Yes, they do. And that's... Don't hit your husband. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but rules preserve relationship. And sometimes, if you've ever, sometimes you have people that are like socially clueless. Have you ever had a, like a friend that it's just like, they just don't get (laughs) certain things. Me sometimes. It's just like, you know, like, don't, don't, don't pick your nose when we're eating supper together. Like, just, just don't, like, like you would think you wouldn't have to tell people, don't do that. Don't swish water in your don't mouth. Wa- I, don't, Mike. I don't like to hear water. <laughs> That's sp- one of the rules in our house. <laughs> I just don't like it. It's gross. Why would you do that? Anyway. So when people don't have a clue right. about doing certain things, right. what's, what's necessary? We make rules. Yes. And those rules aren't designed to actually hurt people, we, but those w- d- rules are designed for us to create an environment where we can thrive. And so the, the purpose of rules isn't to create a relationship with God, but it's actually to point us towards yes. how to preserve a relationship with God, and more than just God, with one another. And, and it's also you know, to live in a way that will, will cause, um, cause us to thrive, to cause us to flourish, cause humanity to thrive and humanity to, to flourish. That's why some of the some of the law that you read, you think, well, this is confusing. Like, why does this matter? Like, yeah. there's one about don't move a boundary marker. Right. It, and it's like, well, why wouldn't you move a boundary marker? Well, by moving a boundary marker, you're actually you're actually stealing somebody else's legacy, right. somebody oh. else's inheritance. Right. And so the the law was given to protect all of us yes. together so that all of us, speaking generationally, we thrive. Wow. You know, and I think it's so important that we remember, too, that keeping the rules or, or lawful living, it doesn't cancel sin. Like, it doesn't get rid of sin. It, yeah. it doesn't remove that. It only, and, and God wants relationship with us. 
except we are all born sin. That cute little adorable baby that was, you know, born days or weeks or months ago. It is a sinner. I'm sorry. And if you've ever been woken up at 3 a.m. by one wanting to be fed while you were in a deep sleep, you know there's something very cruel about that experience. It is. It is. Or when they have a meltdown, a full-on, on-the-floor, screaming, bloody, murder tantrum in the middle of the grocery store. And that, that's, not, that's not normal. You didn't have You're to train ex- it. to do any parent train your kid to have a meltdown in the middle of Walmart? <laughs> nope. It's in nature. It's all there. But I think it's, it's there, and, but this is, it's in us. And this is where God wants relationship with us. But he can't be. And we've, you know, we've talked about this in different forms over the last couple of weeks about how what, what God had solution and what God needed to do in order to have relationship with us, but the rules weren't the way to relationship because rules don't cancel sin. There's only one thing that gets rid of sin, and it's God's grace. And that's why the law and grace have to go together. Let's talk about grace. All right. Because we talked a lot about the law. We did. So how is God's law a form of his grace? Oh, that's a good one. How, why, how do they love? Have you ever been? Okay, here's how I look at it. Well, I might find her. Um, I first of all think it's interesting that, you know, when we think of law or rules, why is it that when we associate, you hear the term like God and rules or God and the law, instantly our brains think restriction? Oh, yeah. But in very other sports and games, rules are meant, you want those rules because those rules help you win. Those rules help make the game fun. If you've ever played a game with no rules, that is the most frustrating game to play. Absolutely. It's stupid. It's just like this pointless. It's true. But so entertainment and games and sports, man, rules are for, you know, they make it, they help us get a goal. They help us, you know, they make it fun. Except, you know, but we associate, I just think that's interesting that we associate rules with God yeah. being restricted. But, but I think if you've ever been sick, but you or you've had symptoms and you don't know what's going on or how to treat it. That's frustrating, yes? And it's like the purpose of the law, I'm gonna read this because this is such a great verse. Romans 7, 7. Paul says, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. In other words, we, the, the law is actually God's grace to us to reveal the sin in us so that it can be dealt with. That's what I think we need it. I think the law is, it's a form of grace because it points us to a savior, our need for a savior. Yes. And the law, which is what, what Paul basically yes. said is that the yes. purpose of the law wasn't to save us, but it was to show us that we needed saving, that there's, there's, there's things in us that we can't fix right. on our own. Yeah. That, uh, so it's a, it's a form of grace that it, that it points us to our need for a savior. And then, you know, then we're, we can recognize the role that Jesus plays yeah. in our lives, that he can save us from where we can't save ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I love this quote. Talian Chavijan, he says this. He said, whatever we think our greatest vice is, it is actually much worse. <laughs> if we think it's anger, Jesus claims it's actually murder. Yeah. Wow. 
His words leave no doubt that we are in need of a righteousness we can never attain on our own, regardless of how well we think we are doing or how righteous we think we are becoming. When you hear, therefore you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That wasn't metaphorical. That's actual. It becomes the standard and not how much have I improved over the years. We realize that we are much further gone than we imagined. And I think it's so important, man, until we realize that all of our our self-saving or our self-righteous techniques, trying to keep the law and failing is actually a good thing because it points us to our need of a savior. Like... You know, we do need that. And, you know, we won't be interested in a savior even if we're just, we can do it ourselves. I can take care of myself. I'm good. And, you know, and I think it's important. I think a lot of times Christians, more so Christians, because, you know, they have this understanding of God's law and grace. A lot of times they think, well, just because we live in the new covenant now, we don't need, we, we, we don't need the law anymore. It's just about grace. And that's actually not true. God's law is his grace to us because it shows us how how much we can't do it on our own. And I think that it's really important to understand that like Jesus didn't do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. Yeah, and he did it perfectly. And and he, he he took things like you know when he talked about you gave the example. He said like uh, you know, it says thou shalt not murder, but I tell you, if you, you know, if you hate your brother, you're yeah. guilty of murder. Or thou shalt not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in yeah. your heart, yeah. it's the same thing. So Jesus didn't actually reduce no. the power of the law. What he, what he did is, is he said, you need to look at how this applies to your heart. And it's so... Some of you, I know I've inspired all of you to go read the book of Leviticus this week <laughs> and dive deep. But when it comes to reading the book of Leviticus, the, as you read through it, you realize, uh, you realize like these things are like, if you just look at them, these are strange rules at surface value. Like don't wear mixed fabric. Well, why would, yeah. why would God say don't wear mixed fabric? Don't eat shellfish. Don't, don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. Not, yeah. not a human kid, a goat, like a baby goat. Don't boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. But some of these things, when you understand the purpose of what God was trying to establish, like a holy people, you know, don't wear mixed fabric. You think, well, that doesn't it make sense? Well, it would make sense as they came out of as they came out of Egypt that they don't that the, the, the God wanted to create a holy people, and the word holy basically means people that are set apart. Yeah. And the one of the things that they could do is start pursuing. Um, they could start pursuing all the fashions of the day. Right. And this, this just, you know, is something that would keep them set apart. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that was um, right, at, right as the, as they were going into the, in, as they were going into the promised land is that, I actually think I got this here, is that you must not, Leviticus 20, it says, keep all my decrees and laws and follow, follow them. You must not live according to the customs of the nations that I am going to drive out before you. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the nations. Wow. Now that's, that Paul takes that and he actually, he, he refers even back to the church or referring to the church. He, he hints towards the same thing in Romans 12, where he says, don't be, don't, don't allow the world to conform you into its image. Right. Instead, be transformed 
uh, from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. This is, this, these, two, these two verses are kind of connected to one another that, that at, at the time it, there was more of a physical separation with Israel, but in ours, it's more of a separation of the heart. Yeah. Is that, and that same warning, it, it's, it's like that same warning today applies. Don't let the world fit you into its mold. Right. Don't, don't let your heart, what's, what's forming our heart? What's right. forming our reasoning? Right. Is it YouTube? Right. Is it Facebook? Social media. Is it social media? Is it the news? Is it like, what is the thing that we're, and it's the same, we're to be holy, we're to be set apart, we're, we're, to, we're to be shaped by something greater yes. than just the trend in thinking of our day, right. which will be different in five years it's true. and in 10 years. Yeah. And so we want to have some, we want to have an anchor point that sets us apart. And that's, that's, that's what this that's what the law is but it's to be something that sets our heart apart and I think and I think that whole thing of being set apart it's because this what the bible calls a righteousness you want to read Philippians 3 7 Paul he says whatever gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ indeed I count everything as loss and he this was Paul was he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees so the Pharisees were the guys who were the rule keepers and they made sure everybody else kept the rules but Paul was a whole nother level of rule keeper he said I count all of that as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith and it's that thing we can never make ourselves right and see God God wants this this whole thing of us being set apart and being different it's because God wants it to it's like his his rightness his life in us when we're living that life that's what spreads to others it, and, and it that's what it's like a good virus. It starts creating this, you know, the, the way the world was supposed to be, the way humans are supposed to be. We don't save people. But what God, God has done in us, that rightness, it be, it's, it's meant to be an attractive thing that people say, hey, I see your life is flourishing. What is it that makes you so different? Why are you so different? Why is your life flourishing? Why are you able to have joy and peace when everything else around you is falling apart? Why is your marriage thriving? Why is your family thriving? Why is your business thriving? It's because there's this set apart thing that's meant to not just us be better than others, but to be a gift to the world to show them the answer is Jesus. That's who the answer is. You know, it's so often, too, we want, um, you know, when we err on the side of grace, it's just like we want all the benefits, but we don't want any of the cost. Right. And it's like there's actually a proverb about this. They're going to put it up here. It's it's uh, Proverbs chapter 1, and talking about the pursuit of wisdom. And it's wisdom says they will call me. This isn't actually God. This is wisdom. They will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but they won't find me because they hated knowledge and they didn't choose to fear the Lord. They were not interested in my counsel and rejected all of my correction. This kind of sounds like social media these days. <laughs> they will eat the fruit of their own way and be glutted with their own schemes. And, you know, yeah, what a great verse to conclude on. But <clears throat> they will... 
it, it's for wisdom. Wisdom. This is this is saying you know it's there's a way to live that's wise. Right. And there's a way to live that's not wise. And when we when we just do our own thing, the Bible says that's not wise. Right. It wow. doesn't actually lead to flourishing. And and this is you know a lot of a lot of times we we think that. Well, God punishes us, but it's not God punishing us. It's it's our choices that punish us, wow. and it's it's the the path that we choose. And uh, we we should wrap it up here, but you guys can have a seat. You, why don't we stand up? Yeah. All of us can stand to our feet, do a little stretchy wetchy. But we think sometimes, like, why does God punish us? But it's like it's God doesn't what he what he does is he says if you do this then this is what happens and it's if you jump off you know a 40-foot building there's you can't you can't blame God for broken legs at the bottom and this is when it comes to the law we you know do we need to go and follow all 613 commands you know all the poly cotton blends in our closet have to be thrown out like no because like there's there's some there's some things that 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 Jesus fulfilled that that we don't need to to do that. But when it still when it comes to when it comes to things like our sexuality, when it comes to things like the way we we speak of others, you know, the right in, right in one of one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness. What's what's false witness? It's saying something that's not true about someone else. It's, that's, those are to protect. Those didn't disappear. But the, the whole purpose of what, what God, when we, when we go to, to the scripture, the whole purpose is to create an environment in which we, we flourish the, and the, which we thrive. And the invitation to follow Jesus, isn't, it's not first of all an invitation to follow rules. It's first of all an invitation to receive grace and forgiveness and relationship. But then what we realize, just like when you're married, if you ignore rules when you're married, you're going to suffer in your marriage. If you, if you ignore, if we ignore law, it punishes us. And so the first invitation, this is what I just, I want to encourage us. If you're here today or maybe you're watching online, the first invitation is not an invitation to follow a bunch of rules. It's an invitation to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to just lead us in a prayer. And if you're here today and you're watching online right now and you're saying, I would like, I would like to start that relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I would like to say yes to his plan and his purpose. Then you can just join us as we pray. Let's pray together. Jesus, I say yes to you, to your plan and your purpose for my life. I invite you into my life. I want to walk with you in a way that causes my life to flourish and to thrive. Come into my life now. Change my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. 
It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.